This is Melissa, and today is the 13th of August, 2023, and this Redux is from August 16, 2020, and the title and poem, The New Freedom, Intel Agencies, Birds of a Feather Trading Our Info All In It Together. Our minds are mined for greater good, and hiding thoughts is terribly rude. Let experts examine, let them peruse, repair, and fix us. Don't dare refuse. I was talking to Michael in Sweden a few weeks ago, and he mentioned that he organized talks on a kind of revolving basis on his playlist where he went month by month. So if he was in July, he was listening to Alan's talks from July, that they could just come up at any year as long as it was July. And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. So I wanted to cover something that Alan talked about more recently. I picked 2020 as we're in the thick of it, and I went to August. And I think for the rest of this month, I'm going to kind of play around in August of 2020 because it's rich. All of these talks, remember, from the very beginning of 2020, and so February of 2021 are more than, you know, they're three and a half to even five hours long. So this particular talk is four hours. He gets into a lot of things that I've been thinking about. And he talks about the Club of Rome and climate change and new normals coming through it to us via entertainment. But in starting off the talk and listening to the climate change, it just want, I wanted to cover a little tiny bit of the so-called news. And this is a story from the Guardian newspaper in Great Britain from Wednesday, the 9th of August, 2023. Climate activists outraged over Biden claim he practically declared U.S. emergency. Biden said, I've done that when asked about declaring climate emergency, yet White House has not announced such a declaration. Joe Biden has said that he has practically declared a national emergency on the climate crisis despite not actually taking that step, vexing climate campaigners. I've already done that, Biden said when asked if he intends to declare a climate emergency in a Weather Channel interview aired on Wednesday. Isn't that interesting that the President of the United States is doing interviews with the Weather Channel? He went on to say that under his leadership, the U.S. has protected more land, rejoined the 2015 Paris Climate Accord, and passed a $368 billion climate control facility. This is a reference to the $368 billion in climate and clean energy spending included in the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act spending bill. Don't you just love the total inversion of reality? It's $368 billion in commitments to the climate and clean energy spending in the Inflation Reduction Act spending bill. Oh, goodness gracious. Asked to clarify if he has declared a national climate emergency, Biden said, practically speaking, yes. 
Yet the White House has not announced such a declaration, despite years of pressure from climate-focused advocates and lawmakers. Doing so would unlock a host of new powers for the president. Now, when you see that, uh, those words there, unlock a host of new powers for the president, there is a link there, and you can see it's a PDF there that they've got attached called A Legal Guide to Bold Climate Action from President Biden. And I will include that link for you to look at all of the bold things that the Biden administration want to do. This includes the ability to speed the energy transition and block fossil fuel projects without congressional approval. So you understand what this is, is these would be emergency type powers or presidential powers. He doesn't need Congress to do this. His statement outraged climate activists who noted that it came amid a summer of record-breaking extreme weather events. Okay, listen closely to this next paragraph. This summer, we experienced the hottest days in the past 125,000 years. Wildfire smoke has filled the lungs of people across the country. People are losing their homes and literally jumping into the ocean to avoid flames. I'm going to read it again. This summer we experienced the hottest days in the past 125,000 years. Wildfire smoke has filled the lungs of people across the country. People are losing their homes and literally jumping into the ocean to avoid flames. That quote comes from a young woman named Varshini Prakash. She is the executive director of the youth-led climate advocacy group Sunrise Movement. I am going to direct you to a Not Sure piece from May of this year, and that was entitled The Gang of Five, and there's a subsection in that article called We Are the Climate Revolution, because the Sunrise Movement came to my attention when I was researching some Texas-based news, and I found that they had been down trying to get a vote which would have allowed them to basically take over the city of El Paso, put all their key climate people in. Who is the Sunrise Movement? I researched them. I found out that they are national. So I already had the heads up on this woman. But I did learn something new today. Um, but before I get to that, from this Not Sure article, on their website, this is the Sunrise Movement, on their website they boast, we will bring the movement for the Green New Deal to every student, classroom, and school in this country. We're taking over our schools. With millions of students on our side, we will transform our schools and win a Green New Deal. Our schools, our lives, our futures, we're ready to take over. Are you? Some of the youth featured on their website look angry. Some look starry-eyed. They wear gender non-conforming attire, all shapes, sizes, and colors. One common appearance, very well organized. Their t-shirts and signs are coordinated. This is an earth army, and they are dressed for the revolution that someone else has planned. One thing that I noticed when I looked up this woman, Varshini Prakash. On her wiki page, it said that she was named 
on the 2019 Time 100 Next list of emerging global leaders, and she was a finalist for the 2019 Pritzker Emerging Environmental Genius Award. Anybody who happens to be keeping up with what I'm researching over here, then you know that I've been into the Pritzker and the Prown families of Chicago and how they tie into the Aspen Institute, a nonprofit organization with huge ties to the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission, etc., etc. So, international geopolitics. There's the Pritzkers, and the Pritzkers have given this young woman the Pritzker Emerging Environmental Genius Award. Oh my goodness. It's just amazing. Amazing that she got this. And before I stop talking about her, I'm just going to say she looks good in a t-shirt. She looks good in her Sunrise Movement t-shirt. And I think that's how they pick them. Um, I actually will mention one more thing about the, these are the co-founders of the Sunrise Movement. I think it was from 2019 about Varshini Prakash and her co-founder Sarah Blazevic. Again, I'll just mention that both women have great big hair, kind of in the Alexandra Ocasio Cortez vein. Uh, I, I think it's a prerequisite of the front piece for these environmental movements. So again, this is Fortune magazine. As society hurtles toward ecological collapse under the forces of greed and industrialization. It has been the youth of Gen Z who have dropped what they're doing and picked up a burden far heavier than older generations give them credit for, to lead the fight for the planet. Heading up the progressive movement for climate justice is the Sunrise Movement. Co-founders Sarah Blazevic and Varshini Prakash, now training director and executive director respectively, helped officially launch the group of youth activists. Anyone that identifies as young is welcome. Among Sunrise's strategic insights is the way it has broadened its message. The movement fights for the liberation of all people by recognizing that any oppression based on race, sexuality, socioeconomics, geography, and more amplifies the threat of climate change. So there you go. Championed by the Pritzkers, uh, but they're trained by a group that was written about in the Not Sure piece in May in the Gang of Five articles, and that group, the money trail just kind of dries up, but I'm going to put a little, a few tidbits out there because I find it very interesting. They are trained by an organization called Momentum Community, and I was finally able to track down an annual report from the year 2017. If you follow the money, it's very, very vague. Uh, the guy who started this training program seems to worship Saul Alinsky. There's another Chicago boy for you. And what they're trying to do, it says here, Momentum is a non-profit for non-profits. The group calls itself a community, an incubator of movements, a Hogwarts for organizers. It was founded by alumni of protest movements like United We Dream, Occupy Wall Street, Black Lives Matter, and the fossil fuel divestment campaigns. Young people who've come of age in a time of political crisis. Rubbish. 
these are trained community organizers. I, they're, I'm going to go into that a bit more in that Gang of Five article from May, so knock yourself out if you want to read that. I was reading in that book, Foundations Are Power and Influence, and I stumbled upon something very interesting. Again, this book was written in 1958, and this is on page 113. It's talking about individual talent versus systems. And there is a fellow, Mr. Chase, and Mr. Chase is a mouthpiece for the system. I think he was Carnegie Corporation, but it doesn't really matter. He was hired to write a book called Goals for America. It says here that he's got a long history as a pamphleteer. Basically, he's a hired gun, hired mouthpiece. But he said here, that we need to be managed by experts. He said, the second edition of Mr. Chase's book tones down the role of Young and Dollard in the creation of the book. These are some guys who were involved with it. Mr. Chase, in expounding the concepts of foundation-supported and directed social science research, lays it on the line. We are to be managed by these experts these social divines with the new scientific method which he says can be applied to the behavior of men as well as to the behavior of electrons. Prepare now for a surprising universe. This is his quote. Individual talent is too sporadic and unpredictable to be allowed any important part in the organization of society. Social systems which endure are built on the average person who can be trained to occupy any position adequately, if not brilliantly. Wormser, the, right, the author of the Foundations book, says, And how is this, quote, scientific, end quote, management to take place? One gathers from Mr. Chase's book, which seems to represent the official line of the Foundation complex, that it is to be through cultural determinism via a molding of our minds by propaganda. Mr. Chase wrote, Theoretically, a society could be completely made over in something like 15 years, the time it takes to inculcate a new culture into a rising group of youngsters. Alan was fond of regularly quoting Beria, basically the chief, the secret police of secret police, the former leader of the NKVD, longest lasting, longest lived of Stalin's secret police chiefs. And Beria's quote, and I'm going to give this to you from Alan. So here it is from a talk. This was from May of 2010. I put it up not too long ago, I think in July. Um, and it was entitled, Ode to Julian Huxley, UNESCO, and Kinsey, Their Army of Perverts and Cover, Flimsy. So Alan said, it's incremental and it's intergenerational. I've read the article before that came out of the commentary in the Communist International from the 1930s. Beria, who was the NKVD leader at the time, made a speech and it was written down and published all across the West and you can go into all the second-hand bookstores in New York and you'll find them there. He basically said it used to take about 70 years. That was a generation then to create even 
one particular major shift in social behavior with them at the top, of course. He says, now we have it down to a perfected level. We can actually upgrade the people every four or five years. He said it will be made shorter and shorter as time goes on because they were using all the techniques and so on of Pavlov and others who were working on these very problems, how to condition the perfect society. And that was all done. It was done perfectly. Alan goes on, the foundations in the West, I've mentioned it ad nauseum that the Reese Commission went in to investigate why these big multi-trillion dollar foundations all seem to be funding left-wing groups that want to destroy the Western way of life and bring in a socialist-type system. The socialist system is a totalitarian, authoritarian regime where you have a massive bureaucracy and experts that run everybody else's lives beneath them. So whether it's this Mr. Chase saying it's going to take 15 years, Beria 20 years before that said it would take only four or five years, the goal is the same. It's a system that is run by experts, and that is that. So finally, on the, the climate front, I am thinking about what is really going to happen um, if... Global warming is what is being rammed down our throats, and we're told from every quarter that there's no argument. This is what it is. And anyone who thinks contrary, if, if they're an academic, they're contrarian. If it's just Joe Public, then they're a skeptic or a denier. But in the contrarian community, it's come to my attention about what is being referred to as the grand solar minimum, sun cycles, and a perhaps little ice age that we are entering into as soon as 2050, if not sooner. I'm just being introduced to this, but the brain behind this line of thinking is a woman named Valentina Zarkova. Valentina Zarkova is a full professor at Northumbria University. She was trained in applied math at Kyiv National University, Kyiv, Ukraine. She has been a working professor in mathematics, physics, and electrical engineering since the 70s. She has an incredible bio for what she's doing, where she's taught. She said here on her Northumbria page, I am a member of London Mathematical Society, European Mathematical Society, European Physics Society, Fellow of Royal Astronomical Society, International Astronomical Union, and COSPAR, which is the Committee on Space Research. But because she does not ascribe to the idea that man has caused global warming and it's man-made climate change and we have to reduce our CO2 levels and if we don't do this, well, I mean, you heard it, people are literally jumping into the ocean to avoid being burned alive by forest fires that are climate change caused. She has been vilified by the mainstream. She still has a job, but I was just astonished to find that she was crowdfunding herself 
on a GoFundMe that barely has, it doesn't even have 500 U.S., it's 365 pounds. And I have to say, well, I'll come back to that. This, her fundraiser is for her continued studies on the sun's effects on terrestrial environment. So she's one of these whack jobs that believes that the sun is what is driving climate, not how many emissions men generate. And she's having to crowdfund herself in order to do this study because obviously no foundation is going to underwrite her. And you, if you're interested in her, you can just see how she's been vilified by the mainstream academic organizations that she is a member in good standing of. But everybody jumps on board to say, oh, this is, you know, it's not science, it's quackery, it's pseudoscience. And like I just said, it makes me sad to see that she only has 365 pounds of a 5,000 pound goal. This kind of reminded me of the way that I feel when I, I think about Petrocito from South Africa that I had on a while back with Darren in South Africa. And I've said, you know, please, people, I can see from the numbers that this was one of the more popular um, real histories. So, but somebody else is always going to do it, right? Somebody else is going to buy the cup of coffee. Somebody else is going to forego some little knick-knack gadget that they want, and they're going to do it. And that just seems to be how life is. Everybody is content to yell into their computer or put comments on whatever social media that they're in that, oh, you know, man-made global warming is a farce and this is ridiculous and it's completely changing the way we live. But, you know, why is this PhD in, in math and physics, astrophysics, crowdfunding herself and no one's giving? You know, she's offering a viable alternative to the nonsense that's being force-fed us on a daily basis. I just have one more thing to say, and that is from Alan Watts' Cut and Through book, Volume 1, page 5. I've said this before, and I'll probably come back to it again, because it's thought-provoking, I would hope. Top of page 5. This is not a rehearsal. This is the final phase of humanity as we know it. Sound shocking? Then go back to your Tel-Levi Zion television. And continue your programming. Your faith in the system creates your fate. Those who have no aversion to thinking persevere and you will be rewarded by symbols, said Thomas Carlyle and Sartre Resartus. Is man guided and commanded, made happy, made wretched? He everywhere finds himself surrounded by symbols, recognized as such or not recognized. Allen goes on in this section of the Cutting Through book, Volume 1, to talk about astronomical ages or cycles. And he also talks about the fact that truth is eternal. So that's all right there in about three pages. But because truth is eternal, the eternal truth is sucker your it, or itty, as he, as he put it. It means it demands 
that you change. When you are aware of what is going on, it demands that you do something, that you make changes in your life, that you step up, that you stand and say no, that you support others who you believe are doing something that actually makes a difference. When I read Alan say, this is the final phase of humanity as we know it, and I know that this book was written in 1999, and that's 24 years ago. And I happen to know that Alan wasn't one who speculated, but read those dusty old books and put things out for us to think about. What was he saying? And I leave that for you to ponder. I'm giving you a section of the beginning of this talk from August the 16th, and of course it's a four-hour talk, so you won't be getting nearly all of it. I'll supply the link to the talk, the original talk. And as you have time over the course of this week, I encourage you to listen to the entirety of it. Because believe me, if you've got four hours to listen to rubbish about left-right politics or any other <laughs> piece of nonsense rubbish that's put out for us to swallow, you've got time for four hours of Alan. Thank you. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of August 2020. And as always, I hope you're doing as best as you can under the circumstances of uh, <laughs> utter chaos and madness, all organized, of course, because what's happening now is the, the designing, redesigning of, of society across the planet and redefining what we are uh, as human beings and and societies in general, in fact. Right down to genders, as you well know, it's been a big one top for quite a few years, is um, all concepts of what used to be called normalcy or normative is being redesigned again, all of it, in order to, to destroy resistance among society to changes. The plan changes. Before you, it's harder and very, very difficult to, to bring in a whole new way of living without destroying the previous generation. Because naturally they'll dig their heels and say, you know, you can't do this and this is ridiculous and mad and a whole bit. And so bit by bit, over maybe a 20, 25 year period, you chip away through education, through the school system, grab them young, and they grow up to about 25 or so. And they've got all the new ideas instilled in them, all the new indoctrinations, and it works awfully well in them. And then you've already hammered and hammered through repetition, through all kinds of dramas and movies and so on. Uh, where they embed all the different uh, new norms into their, their storylines, etc. Until all age groups part the same stuff because they can't trust their own logic anymore, nor their own memory either. And that's how it's all designed, you see, until you can't trust your own judgment. Just listen to the experts. In fact, last week I mentioned one of the articles that came out from the top groups of, of thinkers, you know, scientific thinkers, telling us not to, not to think for ourselves on these, these very important topics. We're not qualified to think deeply on them. So there you go. Uh, this is the farce of the time we're living through. A complete redesigning of society. 
and uh, and every every possible method of deception and manipulation, psychological manipulation and coercion is in use right now. It's quite astonishing to watch it all. And it's too big for even one person or a group of people uh, to keep up with all of it because it's overwhelming in a sense. But uh, years ago, when they were hammering on and hammering on about artificial intelligence and how it was going to reshape society, and Al Gore came out, because Al Gore is a player in certain areas uh, for financial teams and for fleecing the public for carbon taxes and, and trading them and making a profit on them, all these kind of things. Uh, see, we're, we're, we're ruled by crooks, if you haven't figured it out. And especially since the, the time of post-democratic society, which the Club of Rome came out with years ago, uh, they said on behalf of their masters, they paid them, the big think tank, the, uh, the Club of Rome, uh, and they were given a task, different tasks actually, about redesigning society. Because they leaked themselves in the big business classes, the ones with the corporate raiders types that were going across the world and having their big talks with CEOs that were treated like gods and with their innovative ideas of, you know, having workforces or slashing it to the bone and then reselling off what was left of corporations, the corporate raiders. They literally wanted to take over the whole system. And this, this darn nuisance called democracy was a problem. It got in the way of profits, quick profits. So if you could do away with democracy, you could get your big plans made and, and worked out and implemented with no real kickback from the public. You see, you'd eliminated the public problem. And, um, and that's what you've been living through ever since. Including the whole idea of climate change. It was a club of Rome that came up with that uh, idea of blaming humanity for, for the climate, you see. And that way you could bring in the sustainability, you could bring in all kinds of new ideas, a new way of living, again austerity for the public with high prices for everything, mind you. Uh, so the corporations don't, um, they're not losing anything, they get more in fact for, for giving you less. Especially in all energy forms too, like technocracy planned long ago. So you're living through an agenda, a big, big agenda. And of course science and uh, business work together under the guise of public-private partnerships. And, of course, what they do is they put in businessmen, often, sometimes minor businessmen, as politicians. They're assets, if you like. And many of them actually are assets of intelligence agencies. That's been on for years. Obama was, was well-connected. So was Clinton, actually. The old scholar Bill Clinton went over to London to study there with his, his, uh, his scholarship, Oxford Rhodes Scholarship, and then disappeared there and spent the rest of his time in the Soviet Union. <laughs> and then came back and they made him president of America. Uh, it's quite interesting to watch what happens because, you see, the real world has got nothing to do with what you've been brainwashed to believe. It really hasn't. I mentioned it before, this strange uh, travel of, of important people and, and sciences and so on during the whole Cold War is the last thing you'd allow in the reality for international meetings of this or that or whatever. You'd never allow it to let your best people go there and, and collaborate with your supposed enemies and exchange ideas and information, etc. But they did that every year. So nothing made any sense until you really figure out there's a different game on the go. The game's always against the public. 
And first and foremost, you must understand what power is. And power is a means of gaining uh, control over people, either with or without their consent. It depends how you do it. And uh, to benefit, of course, agendas again, you know, like post-democratic, get the job done and to heck with the public. That type of idea. Or, as I say, it's also used for business in this day and age. Business was elevated, as I say, during the time of the corporate raiders to a much higher level. And they really did. They literally did hostile takeovers of businesses by grabbing the, the shares and so on, getting the controlling shares, and then slashing everything to the bone. And what you don't realize is back in the 1970s and 80s, you had... Uh, you had lots of family-owned businesses, and maybe second or third generation. Big businesses, too, uh, with factories, etc. And they, they still had that idea of having responsibility, those who owned the businesses, to, to the people who worked there with them. This strange, old-fashioned idea that you're responsible in some way. And... Uh, of course, the new system was, was again, the corporate raiders. They had no conscience about anything like that. And they called everybody dead weight. And you'd slash them and kick them off. And folk coming up to retirement lost their um, everything, their pensions a lot. This was the, these were early warning signs and symptoms of what was to come for, again, this, this technocratic, as it called, technocratic system of um, controlling the world, you know. There's nothing in Technocracy Inc. that said that those who, that would control it should be poor, or as poor as the general public were going to be. Uh, on the contrary, you see. So it's, it's very appealing, this idea of technocracy, where everything is reduced to energy. And, of course, energy at the moment is simply transmuted into a dollar value or a pound value or a euro value or whatever it happens to be. And you're subject to it, you see. But it really, supposedly, under their idea, uh, was that everything is energy. To make a product, it's all energy. Somebody puts out the energy to make this or change it from this to that to that. It's all really gradients and change of, of energies, you see. And so the idea was to bring in a perfect world where those who had the right to rule it would be technocrats. Not an elected right, but a, a natural right. Just like communism idea, without being subjected to, to, or really responsible to the public again. Because you see, they were the experts, and experts should run the world. That was the idea. It's quite amazing, as I say, when you look at today, and the CEOs of corporations that walk on water with their ridiculous TED Talks, they always have to create their own lingo to be in-house, you know, you're, you're one of us. You're, here's the here's latest terminology to be cool. They come up with new terms all the time about their, their particular area. And they, they flap their hands a lot like Bill Gates does because they've all done their motivational, you know, training, etc. And apparently impresses punters if you flap your hands a lot and you wave your arms and run them down the stage. And... Uh, they're like peas in a pod in a sense. And they have to be really innovative, which means even more startling than the person before them. That's what they mean by innovation. And the idea, too, is interlaced with psychology, 
where psychologists got into the, to the, the, the social area long ago, you see, to do with factory management and so on and how to manage the, the, the people who were doing monotonous tasks and making them work harder and faster and then trying to deal uh, with the emotional upset it would cause so that they didn't uh, crack up and claim compensation, things like that. Uh, so make everything more efficient. In fact, you get them on drugs. As long as they, they, they could still do, put up the same output, it was quite good, you see. So put them all on drugs and even give them counselling. If they're really good employees, you could put down to insurance and, put them, and get counselling for them so they could manage to handle the extra stress at work, you see. And uh, so psychology is a big, big part of managing us all with technocracy. Today. Look at the COVID thing. How many millions of dollars have been spent using these behavioral insights teams to, pro- to con us and lie to us, to get us to do things that they want, uh, that the elite want us to do uh, on behalf of those who rule us? I don't say we govern us, they rule us. <laughs> I, you know, I don't elect anybody, so why are they ruling me? Uh, I, don't, I don't vote, so it's a con game. It's been a con game all my life. The elite have always got their people into office, and I'll touch on a few things tonight that even show it, perhaps, more openly uh, and evidently uh, than things beforehand. Uh, For instance, there are some good videos out right now. There's a lot of good videos if you want to spend your life watching videos, but... Uh, and I can't get, even get the speed to watch them because I'm getting I'm getting hammered by the, it. Isn't just going after <laughs> your income or shadow banning now. I've had this for years. Uh, they literally have got my server to to, to slow me down to, to, to like one to two megabits per second up until midnight, and I can't. I just yeah, I can't watch anything until midnight. You see, and then like a magic switch, it just turns on. Yeah? And, which is what it is, it's a switch. So I get thralled and choked and so on. I had that years ago, the same problem. Uh, for years and years and years, when I was, I was doing lots of shows and so on, like sometimes five a day, and putting out um, information that people really hadn't heard before. I, I kind of broke the rules because I real, that's why I came out. Uh, people were navel-gazing. You had a lot of... Um, People in the States who stuck on the same topics, but it was navel-gazing. They didn't realize there was a big world agenda. And I came out, and I had, to, I had to connect the dots for them all and give them information and what was really, really happening. And that caused a big stir at the time. But after a while, I got hammered. I, I could, as I say, I'm right back to where I was, where I was, getting a, I was going to download something, in fact, uh, before I did this talk. And it was only, I think, 24 megabytes. It was that the speed is that slow. And this is not cheap, I'm paying for a satellite, yeah? And it said it would take me a day to download the 24 megabytes. That's how bad I get hit hammered here. So don't think that I'm sitting here and I'm not getting, I've been getting hammered since day one. I was getting shadow banned before you heard the term. Once you realized what I was talking about, and it's like a panic mode, and suddenly, suddenly, I was, people couldn't find me. It's very suddenly. Because I was saying things they didn't want the public to. You understand, you control information by controlling people. And you understand too, that in the US especially, and the intelligence agencies in Canada use the US as well, they work with them, that uh, during the Cold War, 
the CIA set up what was then Patriot Radio across America from the 60s and 70s on. And I, and even hired a lot of pastors and put them on, uh, to, to, to preach against communism as an antidote to communism. And, uh, and that worked off pretty well for time. But then, then they brought other people in too. And, and really it was thick, really thick with, uh, propagandists for the CIA. And the all CIA never gives up something that works for, even if it gets to be kind of peacetime. There's never peacetime with the CIA. And the CIA has got nothing to do with America, what Americans think it's got to do. It really, it really hasn't. The, the whole, in fact, the whole idea of a new world order that America must sink into after financing and building in this new world order, and they must themselves sink into it, is, is a CIA creation. For, the, for those who haven't figured it out themselves. And the CIA with different front groups, just like communism did, did many front groups, uh, worked uh, and gave you the Macy groups and all the other groups that combined and worked together. Even with Bertrand Russell, he worked with them all. And the Frankfurt schools and uh, and so on. They, worked, they all worked together to bring a whole new culture in preparation for a world culture, which they, they would, would submerge all the nation states into one big system for total control. And business and technology would rule as we have today, to such an extent that most folk haven't figured it out yet. They still think we're fighting other countries. As I say, tonight I'll put up some links to, to, to YouTubes and things, little bits I've seen. I could, after midnight sort of thing, I could see them after midnight, little clips and bits and bites of, before I get cut off. And I do get cut off all the time. So the thing I sit here and I've got it quite easy. I, I, I've been hammered since, oh, for many years, put it that way, many, many years getting hammered with, uh, with problems. And it's all intentional, naturally. Because those who think they're living in a reality, a little bubble of, we're democratic, or even if you're in a republic, you've got a democratic right to vote and so on, then it's a republic. Well, go back to sleep. And I think George Carlin said it, the comedian George Carlin, he said uh, about the American dream. He says, of course, he says, you have to be asleep to believe in it. It's a dream. And he says, it's a big club and you ain't in it. And that's so true. But today, with, with the complete interconnection of agencies, like spy agencies, and business, big business, technology, and assets. See, most most people who who work for agencies are assets. They work in front companies and so on. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of front companies, especially in intelligence work, to do with technology. And they share it and they sell it across the world. And um, this this whole idea that you're living in a nation. That protects its borders is a joke anyway, but even, even its, um, airwaves borders uh, and its, uh, AI borders is an utter farce. Because they, they've got people working in all different countries, uh, to manage us all, basically. And, uh, again, as I say, I'll touch on that tonight because it's important you understand how some of it works, at least some of it works. Even if what 
the, the ones that are showing you it sometimes are maybe an agency themselves. Eh? Never, never ever stop <laughs> and just take everything and swallow it for, take it for granted. But years ago, I can remember talking about companies. One of them was Stratfor, and Stratfor is well known um, as an intelligent intelligence asset. They call it an asset, even though it's all intelligence folk that work in it, and often from different countries too. One in particular, and uh, but they work with the CIA and uh, and all the top ones and the, and the Pentagon. There's its own agencies. Uh, everybody's got some, the, 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 the Navy has its own agency, a very high one in fact, the, the US Navy, just like the UK and Britain. So, uh, yeah, they, but they all work together for the common good, which is their own wallets and the promotions and, um, continuation after retirement into very lucrative con- uh, positions for the mil- in the military industrial complex. So, uh, once again, it's only people at the bottom that think these are our guys, you know, and gals. And no, it's not. They're not at all. They're bought and paid for. And they often have less integrity than the person in the street who's way more patriotic than the person up yonder. And that, again, is very true because of the incredible indoctrination that we all have. And these are natural instincts we have to be patriotic. It's very, very, it's tribal. Very tribal, and we we get attached even to the dirt we're born on. Basically, uh, that's where your nation is. It's your home. It's a natural thing. So it never dawns on you that the, the, the people who are paid to so-called represented, even in armed forces at the very very top, are often on the payrolls for much higher agencies, the intelligence services. That are working for a different, completely different agenda, and including their own pursuit of incredible wealth for its members. And there's nothing, there's nothing they don't know about you. Nothing. And I, I used to give the talks years ago, and I said, you know, you're giving all your, all your data to them every day, uh, willingly, on Facebook and Twitter and, and, uh, and then you, and, and even your emails are all, you know, they're all read. But from that, in a daily a daily uh, program, they can update it automatically. There, all your profiles are updated automatically, and whatever you add to you, to to, to, to people you're communicating with, is all put on your your profile, and they work out. And they've got pretty perfect simulations they can run with you, a virtual you, putting you through the virtual you through scenarios like life scenarios. And predicting very accurately how you will handle these different situations. It's all, all sussed out. And that's all sold from intelligence agencies to other private agencies that work with them. That's how they get around the legalities of things, by using private agencies too, you see. That's quite something, eh? But um, don't, don't think for, an, for, for one moment... Your, your government, in fact, your government is so far off into the future, in a sense, and has been for a long time. Most folk will never, never catch up to what it's all about. And I've mentioned some awfully good drama series. Was there's more reality in them, like the Last Enemy series in Britain, to show you how far the technology was even then from GCHQ. Watching everybody, and not just in their own country, but across the world, including people they, they knew would migrate to Britain 
from other countries. And so it all worked out who they were and before they'd even come into the country. It's just astonishing. And then, as I say too, um, the, the agencies themselves, they're often competing with each other for, again, it's, it's always for money at the top, the very, very top. Because information is incredible, incredibly well, you know, people buy it for big, big bucks. Massive, you know. Blackwater, I think, recently bought over one of the genealogical research firms that you all volunteer, volunteer to give all your data about your DNA and your heritage to. Uh, and uh, you, go, oh, you, you just can't help people, eh? You can't. And insurance companies just love this. Oh, now we know these folk are prone to this whole lineage there and, and who they're related to, their other cousins. They're probably so much percentage um, prone to this and that as they are too. And it's all worked out with algorithms pretty precisely. And up goes your insurance. Or I'll say, well, in the present state with a COVID nonsense, you know, now that they're deciding, you know, openly who's going to live and who's going to die before you go into the hospital, should you happen to go in, if they're even going to bring you in and give you treatment. Because, you see, they're trying to spend the money on the ones who are more likely to come through. Have you figured out the hospitals are not privately owned? They're, not, they're privately owned in a good deal, at least half of them. Like half half of their, their cost is, is privately owned. Corporations work them all. Tonight I'll put up um, a good documentary. It's up on Vimeo. A free, uh, yeah, I should watch it for free. I think mostly it's still paid elsewhere, but Vimeo has um, the permission of John Pilger. Uh, a free one up on the National Health Service in Britain. The war on the National Health Service. And he does a good job, as always, into the, what's happened when they show the corporate raiders that go in there and they slash and burn and how they can, uh, they took over hospitals for like East Anglia as one project and multi-million dollar, you know, they, they get paid multi, these CEOs get multi-million dollars paychecks to go into the social constructs of the hospitals. So financed by the people, the taxpayers. And they plunder them for themselves and destroy how it works and and destroy lives in the process. And they give you in the, the documentary that he puts out, one example, say the East Anglia, where I think it was East Anglia Hospital, where this guy, Ali Parsa, now Ali Parsa owns at the moment uh, many agencies, fingers and lots of pies to do with healthcare and so on for profits, naturally. He, he, he was a head guy at Goldman Sachs before all this kind of thing. And now he's got an app out, the Babylon app in the UK, so he can get, um, virtual GP or doctor consultations when it costs you, of course. He's just a humanitarian, you understand. So that's Ali Parsa. He, apparently he's been on TED Talks before, again, a lot of hand-waving and very convincing character who destroyed uh, some of the hospitals. He, he's been brought in as management consultants. That's what they, what they call them. We're management consultants. We can help you run it more efficiently. And, and they slash and burn to the bone uh, for profits, profits, profits as they partly privatize these hospitals. Right down in, to, to some of those hospitals, um, then you'll see the documentary. The guy should be, should be literally put up there with lots of other faces 
on massive billboards for the villains that they are and, and called that villains that should have been tried and put in prison for what they've done. Right up to Cameron and all the other different characters have been Antonio Blair to all the usual. All these folk from different parties, they're all the same folks working on the same agendas. And the idea is not to help the people, but to enrich themselves public-private partnerships. Where have we heard? That's, that came out public-private partnerships from Prince Charles. You've often heard of that. But the fact is, the ones who brought it out were from the guys in the Trilateral Commission, way back, you know, that they would bring in their system, which again is technocracy. But it's amazing to see all work this way, you see. And what's public-private partnerships? You'll pay for it all, and we'll privatize it. So there'll be profit for these guys who are in the private parts. But the public will pay for the upkeeps, and yada, yada, yada. And the costs of running it all that. Not a bad deal, eh? And because of public-private partnerships, the people have seen their infrastructure sold off to these corporate fascists who plunder you. Big time, and make it more and more inefficient for its electric or water supplies or gas or whatever it happens to be. All these, again, energy areas of technocracy. And, um, and it's not stopped. It's to bring, it's to bring a whole world in like this, in fact, with, with all, all the resources under the control. Going way back again to Lord Milner, Alfred Milner and the British Empire idea, it was something to do with going across the world. They told the peasants in Britain this. It's to bring civilization to the world. Romans, ancient Rome said the same thing. Uh, because it's, it's, it rolls off the tongue easily. We're bringing civilization, you know, across the world. Uh, but it's, it's really to get to resources and a tax base, because you can plunder folks with their taxes. And uh, that's what they did, of course. Um, they didn't start the idea. Even India, India itself, uh, they had different Maharajis in India who lived off the taxes off the public and all the transactions through commerce and so on. And many of them liked the idea, in fact, when Britain and Clive of India amalgamated a lot of the, the country under the British Empire. They, they, some of them liked it, the Maharajis, because they could split the loot. And Britain liked that too, because they worked awfully well. The elite of Britain worked awfully well with the caste system of India. Because those at the top, the Brahmins, were pretty much like the folk who ruled Britain or the city of London. They had a complete disdain for the lower caste, you see. So it was a, it was a marriage made in heaven, you see. And, uh, and they could plunder them all and share the taxes, etc., of the peasants. So no, don't think that Britain invented this idea, or at least... I call it London, because the British folk were the same as everybody, even even the sepoys, etc. In India, that worked for Britain, the military there, for the Raj, uh, they were just the same young guys who get recruited in the armies, and uh, it never dawns them really that, that they're working for something that's corrupt. They think they're being patriotic, generally. Every country is the same, isn't it? Because it's a natural instinct to defend your own country. When a con comes in, you're getting used. They generally never figure that out till it's too late if they have to live that long. But that's that's the system. The system we're living in today is uh, is a CIA type operation that goes way back before the CIA was given a name. As I said to Lord Alfred Milner, the, the city of London, the banking fraternity, would rule. And of course, a lot of that it was shifted too with the, to the Council on Foreign Relations. They shared it and divided it up. 
in Kipling's time. And they created the CFR in America in the 1920s. And they took their share of it by um, diverting taxes and so on to special benevolent funds to help folk across the world as they took over other nations. And they could have a a massive economic um, hotspot in New York City, of course. The Empire State. What empire is that? What empire are they talking about? Well, guess. Guess, folks. So, So folks never generally figured out and it's not their fault. But what I will say here is that uh, no matter what the information is that you get, you have to really try and verify it for yourself as best you can. And don't take anything at face value. Because there are so many players in the in intelligence, the artificial intelligence world that we're in today, so many players uh, that you're generally being deceived by somebody along the way. Even, even people who innocently make part of the same stuff off that they've got from elsewhere uh, or send it to and really believe it, they'll fall for it at times, you know. Because you have no idea of the power of manipulation through artificial intelligence. And today, the, with a the lockdown, you can actually see it when more and more folk are, are sitting at home on the internet all the time. And some of the things that they'll, they'll freak out about, they shouldn't be freaking out about, and they're panicking, because that becomes the real world. They're not seeing people, they're not even meeting people. That's one of the, 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 uh, that's one of the consequences and the casualties of isolation, is that you, they start to distrust themselves, and then they'll start falling for things that they shouldn't be falling for, you see. Very sci-fi, isn't it? You're locked in your own little world. And you, you have no human contact, you're very little. Uh, and what you get could be coming from, again, computers themselves, just algorithms hitting you. Or, or as I've mentioned before, the, the 77th Brigade in Britain of, of thousands of cyber warfares, uh, guys that they employ, and their assets, which run to the multi-thousands of them across the world to use them. This one group based in Britain for the Department of Defense. And uh, these are the guys that literally will pick up those who are putting out information and then attack them like crazy. They've already got all the information on your personality. They know your Achilles heels. And they can hit you and try to destroy you internally by pretending to even befriend you. Be awfully careful of this technique. Now, tonight, I'll put up a, a link as well. And, I, and, and be wary as well. Because you don't know where it comes from, really, or who's really behind it, but it's with Millie Weaver, who I don't know much about it myself, except that, that um, who knows, uh, she's inter- involved herself in some kind of intelligence. I just don't know. I don't know. But uh, it could very possibly be, especially when you see the people who have come out and put a video out that she was working on the Weaver was working on with a woman called Tore. This is the name she goes by, Tore, and another fella who also worked for security agencies in the U.S. Very interesting. There's no doubt about it. It's got all the, 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 the positive um, facts that come out with this incredible spider web of intrigue and, and blackmail 
through, through intelligence gathering on every single individual, and it really goes into some depth. Uh, I've only seen all bits and pieces again because I can't get at a constant speed here. I'm getting hit hard because of what I do, <laughs> and I pay money for it too right, to get that ridiculous speed. But um, as I say, be careful because, as again, the one thing that I do know is that they, that, that they do go in to how Donald Trump's been hammered and, and hit. And I don't go into politics myself because I, I, I see them all as just players in the same game, politicians, uh, who are often backed by even foreign powers themselves with big agendas, you see. And I've thought about what uh, what I know of Trump. And he, I know, I had people that when he got elected and said that he's our last hope. I thought, oh my goodness, did, did, did they know anything about this guy? He's our last hope. A guy from New York is our last hope. And then you, you think about his speeches. His speeches are awfully important, even though they're probably written by a speechwriter, you see. But when he was running the last time, he did say he was going to allow Big Pharma and the vaccine industry to cut a lot of corners and get things out to the, for the public. It's good, you see, get things out to the public. People in need with all the incredible testing and, and delays that they have to go through, to go through for safety. He's going to rush things through. So that was a clue to me right off the bat who was also backing him. And it was important. I knew, I knew then something was going to come down the pike where this would get put into force and bingo. But also, uh, he, he's, and I know Obama did this too, I believe, but they allowed, they, they, I remember reading it uh, at the time and talking about it in a, in a talk where they were allowing pharmacology to, or at least the guys who owned the companies, drug companies, to put in different ingredients, substituting ingredients, into, into well-known medications. Because to be cheaper, these, these substitutes than what they were using already, but they may be, may be less safe, and of course they may be not have, but not have the same efficacy, you see. So yeah, the bigger prices are, and same, are, same prices are bigger prices for the same drugs, and using cheaper chemicals to make them, substituting the ones for the ones that were proven. That was another part of it too. Well, Pharmacology is one of the biggest rackets out there, unfortunately. It's anything that, that, that is to do with people and helping people is, is, the, is a, an open door for corruption. You know, we're from the government, we're here to help you. That's like another one too, is from, from the state itself. But from big business, from we're part of your community nonsense and stuff like that, right down to we're here to help you. Don't, it's a multi-billion dollar industry in the states alone. And these guys are not there to help you. Look at the, look at this, the incredible Oxycontin farce we had for years and years with, with the family that did it with, with again a lot of help, eh? uh, knew darn well that this is going to addict millions of people and kill a lot too. Well, they were, Big profits, big, big business, and how much collusion of folk in government went along with that. And of course, do you think money didn't? Of course money changes hands, eh? There's other ways of getting money to the people without it being found out. And, because we're run by corruption, for God's sake. Utter corruption. 
from the top to the bottom, there's nothing out there that's not corrupt, including all those at the head of the armed forces. Integrity went out a long time ago, unfortunately, you know. And that was just get rich quick. And the, the massive military industrial complex that built up uh, during the Cold War and, and really um, quadrupled itself probably at least in the last 15, 20 years of the Cold War. It just got worse and worse after the Cold War and changed its sights on the public. I remember years ago, I said, well, what will they do now? What, what will the military industrial complex do now that the, the Cold War is over, they said? Well, it's going to change its way and, and go into surveillance. And that's where their money would be in high-tech surveillance of the populace. So there you go. Right? From defending you, because they're there to defend you, you thought, right? <laughs> to, to, to surveilling you and selling you and selling all to government by lobbying. Hmm? Uh, folk never really figure it out. So anyway, I'll put this link up to Millie Weaver and um, she apparently was arrested. I think, uh, uh, who knows, uh, arrested on Friday perhaps, but um, because probably because of this video, but something to do also with uh, having access to Hillary Clinton's emails or something, which I thought lots of folk probably had. So we'll soon find out. But the same token too, be careful of everything, because you don't know who's working for who, for what. You really don't. And I won't go any further in some areas, but you really don't. But in the little bits I could glean from in the video, they did go into some of the tricks of the trade and the incredible corruption within all these different agencies that the general population don't even know exist. There's hundreds and hundreds of the front companies, and you'll see the same characters in, in the U.S. Congress and in... Uh, the State Department and in the military at the top, all CEOs of the biggest big corporations are buying and selling information for private companies that the taxpayer funds initially through the CIA and NSA, etc. And all get shared with all these private companies and they make money off you all. But they manipulate, it did go into how they can manipulate every kind of vote and how they've got the target Areas of even people who riot and have revolutions, they can actually get them all excited by using the same techniques, by the way, as the 77th Brigade in Britain and using them in the States uh, because they know everybody. They're all on cell phones. Obama gave them the cell phones and they even used that against them. They used, manipulated all the folk with the free cell phones for the Ferguson riots. You hear the guys explaining how it was done. And I, I mentioned last week, maybe the week before too, that do you really think that all these folk are rioting? They don't know all about you. All about you. Never mind that the live assets they have amongst you out there. They'll turn you in, all in down the road when it's, when, when it's time to do so. But yeah, they, they can literally really work on folks' emotions en masse very quickly, by the way, to stir up their angst, etc., by giving them false information, the fake news stuff targeted to their cell phones. Did you know that those so-and-sos are doing this to you? Yeah, do yeah, and they, and they all get the same information, and you can get them to riot just very, very quickly. Quite amazing. So anyway, there's some good stuff in the, the documentary. I haven't seen it all, because I can't, because of my speed and the internet. But uh, again, be wary again as to 
when folk come forward to help, you don't know, is this another agency working for another agency? And, and so on. And there's some agencies, in, as I say, in, in uh, Texas, for instance, and California, that are even foreign-owned, you know, that work with the CIA. So it's a murky world out there, as I say, and um, be very, very careful. But you'll, you can learn a lot if you want to, and it might make folk at least a bit more cautious, maybe with their own information, if it really matters, because there's nothing they don't know about you already. And it's disgusting. Our whole reality is utterly run by corruption, total corruption. And every, everywhere you look, total corruption. And they even mention that too. Everybody's blackmailable. If they want to get you, there's nothing they don't know about you. You'll hear that woman Torah in that, the documentary saying that, yeah, they, they can find out about, if they've got a target for us and find out who their acquaintances are, where their, you know, where their relatives are, and then check all the information of the folk who knew them years ago, and try and get every little bit of dirt on them that they can possibly get, and, uh, and then use it on them, blackmail them, blackmail them in a sense, to do their own bidding. And that's how the world is run today. Look what happened with the COVID thing, eh? And how many things were working up to a crescendo at the time. You had the Epstein case and uh, the, the Wayne Maxwell, of course, all too conveniently timed for her arrest, uh, knowing this was all going to be swept under the rug to an extent. And with a big, much bigger intelligence operation behind them all, massive intelligence operation, including the, the fixers and the players and, and the distributors and the managers of the intelligence agency in the States that was running them too and financing them. Uh, incredible information. And it's all just gone quiet now, isn't it? Pretty, pretty well. Because those who control all information and target information to us all know how to do it and how it just quiet, quiet away all the little references to, to Gwilane Maxwell and, uh, and suddenly just COVID, COVID, COVID and etc. That's how it's done. You've seen it yourselves doing searches now. As I say, there's, there's, I don't think there's a, a single search in that engine out there now that's untouched. I very much doubt it. And then they'll try to guide you off to the stories that they'd rather you look to it rather than the ones you're trying to find. And it's not going to get any better because our, our systems are utterly corrupt. The people are corrupt and you can't fix it. It's so far gone, you know. Years ago I said too, I, I, even when I first came out talking about things, I said, you know, I, I didn't have a computer then. I said, I didn't want one. I said, I knew what it was for. And I knew it would bring in a, a hellish world, you know. Uh, the, the old idea that uh, Satan couldn't bring in his world of total control, a hell on earth, without the computer. Because of the, the com- complete access to everyone's private thoughts and doings, continuously. Couldn't, it couldn't be done, I say. And I knew it wasn't for the public's benefit. I mean, ARPA had it for the military. During the Cold War, and they had it since at least the 50s, actually. And right on, uh, and then it became DARPA, and then, uh, then it gave you at the bottom, uh, obsolete technology, right up to the present time, it's still obsolete from, from, compared to what they had, in fact, even then. And they'll tell you it's the latest for big profits and all the rest of it. 
But it was all designed from the beginning to, to get all your information from you, including the big Google machine, the big massive intelligence operation uh, that uh, even ran uh, their MySpaces and things. I think it did even mention that in a documentary. I think they mentioned that in the documentary about uh, how they did a lot of startup companies themselves. And it's all to get folk to start dishing out their private information, which they would then acquire, you see. It's a morass out there of, of overlapping agencies and both governmental and private agencies and private contractors, as they like to call themselves too, that work for them. It's just, uh, it's, you can't fix it, folks. But the system was designed that way too, that there would be no, no protection for the, for the people, the general population. Again, the military industrial complex is a, is a for profit business. As I say, they, they said they were going to mass surveillance when they could be making missiles and anti-missile, ballistic missiles and so on. Uh, for the, when at the end of the Cold War, they would go into an intelligence um, gathering of, of the public, over the public themselves, and um, spying on the public under the guise of security. Yeah. Can't be fixed. So sad, but uh, that's the way it is. I, I said years ago too, many years ago, I said, don't throw away your little... Um, photocopiers, even though they can trace where, where everything comes from because you don't see it, but there's actually a number uh, which is available under certain lighting um, of, of every photocopy uh, page that you make of any machine uh, because they can trace where that comes from too. That's how much we've been spied on even before we were given access to to the, to the, the, the personal computer. <laughs> I call it that personal. It's your personal computer, and I've got privacy on my personal computer. <laughs> Anti spyware systems or parts of agencies too working with them to get all your information. As you use a new sky, you scan everything. It's getting sold off again, even if you pay for the program. Uh, it's so sad, isn't it? The corruption everywhere. But you have to stop and say, "Well, wait a minute, you. How do we get this far if humanity was so corrupt?" And it's a good question. And, and most folks should come to that point and say, oh, how, how do we even get this far? It's because you had checks and balances before. You had cultures that often, even if you, had, you, were, you were weaning off of Christianity like the West was, by force actually, <laughs> as they tried to elevate science above uh, religion in order to dominate you more, more efficiently, you see. Uh, you got to understand that uh, they knew where they were going to take it. But at least, even if, you, if it was waning, if it was waning, Christianity was waning, yet you had your moral guidance from it. Whether you liked it or not, it was there. There, was, there were rights and there were wrongs, you see. These are moral moral things that, which you, you grew up with. You, you knew when you were doing something wrong. Personally, I believe folk know when they're doing something wrong anyway. I really do, you know. But, but when you enter a materialistic system, an ex-moral society, or ex-moralistic society, into materialism, which is what you've all copied, and that was well explained in political ponderology, excellent read, I've mentioned that many, many years ago, uh, where the, the psychologists and psychiatrists and 
the Soviet Union area, era looked at their own politicians and compared them with the West and found out what they had in common. And they came up with the idea that they're psychopathic. And of course they are. But they also found out you can give, like the West, you see, it was always to do with the decadent West. They had copied materialism because they threw Christianity out the window and copied another group of, of big business people who, who, whose whole life is business, money, money, money. Materialism. And when you start to adopt the completely materialistic system and elevate wealth to the top to replace God, then morality goes out the window anyway. That's a natural occurrence, you see. And that's what's happened. And it's all through the strata of society and all through your institutions. It's just greed, greed, greed is phenomenal. Right down to people talking about celebrities. What was a celebrity? It's someone who's who's given a, 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 a lot of publicity by the publicity makers who own the system. Like the machinery that makes you pop stars or rock stars or whatever it happens to be. Uh, they're made. They're, they're, it's not because they've got a special talent that nobody else has got. It's because they're made to be. And uh, they've been doing that for years and your, your whole life long before you were born. That's how you, they've made these stars. Uh, just like just like vaudeville, for instance, and basic theatre in Britain. If you went back into the 1800s, you had... These nice little, actually, I like some of the, uh, the the old theaters that retain some sort of the old style, where actors and actresses went on stage and they did their thing, and uh, but they weren't paid a lot of money. In fact, they were looked down to on to an extent because they were, it, it wasn't like a, a real job, you see. And uh, and they, and they often were, were because they would break the rules of society, even in their, in their acting. You had to show you what you did in acting. Uh, then, then, um, the women were looked upon as being rather gauche, as they gauche, you know, gauche, and, um, or loose, as they used to say, or fast, I guess, is another term they used, or rather fast. And, uh, so the, so loose morality was looked down upon by the general population. Uh, and they weren't wrong, actually. They often, they often, they were. <laughs> the, the people, uh, they, they were, they liked their, their drinks and and drugs too, you know. Even then. But then, once the big money folk came in and took over the whole industry of entertainment, morality immediately went out the window even further to a real nosedive, and um, they elevated them into stardom. Well, they're, now they're stars, you see. The folk who just acted bits, bit parts here and there and got big money for it. They, but now they got big money, didn't before. And they made them celebrities. Cause, and of course the idea of, of stars is important because you follow the stars. This is the idea. There's somebody's now, as whatever, whatever idiocy, whatever idiocy came out of their mouths would be parroted by lots of people through magazines, etc. And then they'd start to copying what they what were being told in the magazines. Because these are famous people now, and I'll be like them now, you see. And so much of it was targeted at women. 97%, I remember giving the talks years ago, of the magazines right up into the 1980s and 90s in the US were targeted to women. And all advertisers will tell you, the study after study they do, and psychology and, and public relations that they do, you know, PR companies will tell you that the women are far easier to influence. They'll try something new 
where the men are way more conservative, you see. So, so we can change society through the women much easier. And that was an old idea too. They, they've known that down through history. Uh, so um, that's why in this COVID push right now, you'll see a lot of the women freaking out in stores and attacking people for not wearing masks and things like that because they're watching TV on it. And they believe this. It really gets emotional, you see. It's meant to switch on the emotions, not logic. It's to bypass logic and make you react as opposed to think and uh, and reason. And that's why it seemed really a lot of the women are just going nuts and attacking folk. There's lots of little clips out there, I believe, is showing this. So we're manipulated all the time by following the suddenly the following the stars. People who who get millions. Why do you get millions of dollars? Because someone tells you to stand here, right, right, and say this, and you say it. I used to think about the James Bond movies, you know. And when you saw what they got paid, the guys that played Bond, and, and each little quip that came out of their mouths was written for them. Little short phrases, you know. And I'd always say there's another million, million dollars just for that quip, and he's another million dollars. And it, it really, lots of folk could, could have done it. None of the people who, who did this stuff were, were geniuses. Some of them were, were better liked than, than others and things like that. But the fact is, they were made into stars. Stand here, say this, you know, put your hand there, bring this woman towards you, push her away, blah, blah. And you're made a star. And you get millions of dollars for doing that. And then when you're brought out to speak on certain political points of your social conditions or whatever it happens to be, Folk will suddenly listen to you like you're a somebody because you're rich. You're an actor who often doesn't know their own mind. A lot of the actors, you know, they really don't. Because all I do is play other people. But it's interesting, and that's what George Clooney and Angelina Jolie, as you also made a member of the Cancer and Foreign Relations, along with Clooney, and a few other ones too, brought on board by them because the public will follow them and, and take their opinions more seriously because they're actors and well known. Think about that in itself. It doesn't say much about us at all, does it? That, that if a Clooney says it, an actor, simply because he's well known and he's made famous, right? meaning meaning wherever you look, you read his name, but by the machinery that makes him, suddenly you're going to start to. Well, he said it. And he's a decent guy. You don't know the guy. You never met him, but you think he's a decent guy. And uh, so therefore he's probably right about this topic that I, I, I haven't really looked into. So he adopt his opinion. Very easy, isn't it? And that's the way it goes. But everything is so fake, so incredibly fake. And uh, and it's sad how, how fake it is and how the public themselves don't know. Don't know. Look at all the old um, TV productions of... Uh, of rock groups, for instance, going way, way back, and how pre- overproduced it all is. Even ABBA, I mean, yeah, you like the music and all that, but they mimed on stage all the time. It's all miming. They couldn't do that live, even in a, even in a, coming out on a stage. Because it takes a long time to prepare the kind of sounds to get the sound the same. 
way too much time, in fact, on a stage uh, to sing one or two songs, you see, than is worth it. It would take you hours and hours to prepare all. And uh, so they come up and mime, and, and most folk don't know that. But so were all the other groups out there doing it too. Nothing was plugged in, the guitars weren't plugged into anything. But the, the kids growing up, the children growing up, they thought it was all real. It was all real, they thought. And, and often, often, uh, and, and their albums, it was session guys who would play the stuff for them. Because often they weren't good enough to play their stuff themselves. So they bring in session guys to, to play them. And, and, and arrange them too often. But anyway, uh, we're a sad lot, aren't we, as human beings, that most folk can't figure this out. But we truly are a sad lot. Now, everything's been fake, 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 fake. You know? And people look back in nostalgia to even the fake stuff, because every generation is, is supplied with, they don't create it, but they're supplied with a music for them that they'll live with for the rest of their lives and think back on fondly, you know. Because they were doing this at the time when I heard this song first and blah, blah, and it sticks with them. And and, and as, as life gets worse and worse, as, as they get older, <laughs> they look back a lot more <laughs> frequently than they used to. And uh, these kind of things, well, my goodness, yeah, it was kind of pleasant back then, you see. So, uh, but they were supplied with it. Your fashion was supplied too. There's a culture industry. It's complete. It's music, it's plays, it's uh, drama, it's art of all kinds, it's what you wear. It's all put on for you and supplied for you to differentiate you and your mind with those just ahead of you, older, and those young ones still to come, you see, to make you think this is you. Then you're used. It's our generation, eh? Yeah, we're doing well. It's our, we're, we're on the cusp here, and, and we're making history. Yeah, they think... They have no idea it's all made for them. Now, when it gets down to intelligence agencies again, financed by the taxpayer, well paid too. A big part of the budget goes to a huge part, part actually. They have already access to all the data on the pulp and their, and their citizenry. And they use these asset companies, private companies. They're also staffed by ex-military and ex-CIA, etc., and, and ex-MI6 um, and MI5 and all the rest of it, working in the private fields. They can get round the bends of, of, of regulations. They get, they're all, you can all share the same information, but then use it and sell it off even. They, they, they get, the governments contract these private ones. And so, but they keep records for themselves too. Wherever they, they, they find out, they keep a record for themselves. Then they sell it off and they give the government the one that they, they asked for in the first place. But they've got access to all this other data. And anything coming back, you see any little inquiry, any little nuisance deal is easily fobbed off by saying, well, you know, um, we didn't do it ourselves, says your, your MI5 or MI6. Um, it wasn't us that did it, but no, they're working hand in glove with a private contractor. Often they had worked in MI5 or 6, and uh, and they can get away with it. Well, we're a private business, you know, and there's nothing to stop us from doing this. We're not working for the public. And that's how it's done. These same intelligence agencies are all working full-time right now with the behavioral insights teams and psychological sage groups and so on uh, to persuade you, including ones I've read about Yale put up again too, 
how Yale's working, getting big money to, to try to con the public into obeying and doing what they're told by the governments and to take this COVID idea seriously and all the rest of it. And uh, never mind the, the fact that in Britain, as I've mentioned before, the stage groups and so on, uh, put out um, recommendations to all the media at the beginning of this whole COVID idea that uh, they'd have to get really frighten the public into compliance and how to do it to, to apply more more pressure on the public and create more anxiety by exaggerating certain problems and so on. As they said, this your government's lying to you. Well, when they do that all the time, there's, there's nothing you should ever take and believe them on at all, ever, again, never. Oh. Using your tax money to lie to you. <laughs> never mind the fact, of course, you're, you're getting the, the great reset for the World Trade Organization and uh, for the World Economic Forum and the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund and the Bank for International Settlements as they bring in their new world order, the Great Reset, eh? And it means a post-individual uh, uh, society. You can be an individual. You're only part of the masses now, you see. And uh, mind you, they have different masses within the masses group. You'll have certain special interest groups and special privilege groups, depending on what, if you belong to certain minorities, as we all know, you know. You're given more privileges, etc. But but generally, you're all part of the mass, you see. And uh, you can individualism is a threat to world peace, according to the United Nations. Said that long ago, and again, they, they keep reiterating that kind of idea. The individual can think and communicate is a big problem to them. And as it was with Bertrand Russell, who said they have to eliminate them. <laughs> so we're living in an agenda, you see. Uh, and it's in full blast right now, and it's becoming utterly intolerant. Utterly intolerant. It's not going to get better, folks, by itself. It won't happen. And you have to really start your your your, your non-violent uh, disobedience each time you each time you get the chance to. When you're getting ordered by idiots and. Uh, and even police in some countries that are really going overboard with it all. It's a shame. It's an awful shame. Uh, and it ties in again with the culture industry. Many years ago, I said, back in the 90s, I said, you know, all I, 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 could, I, I didn't have a computer myself, but I saw nothing but ads in the papers and so on and little clips at that time uh, and, and TV and had TV way back then. In the early 90s anyway. And I said, what it was, was video games. I says, all you've heard for years and years is video games. The next video game, the Pac-Man, the Pokemon, all the rest of it. And game, game, game. And then they got more and more realistic. And children were addicted to these games. And I, I went through the history of some of them where it was admitted, especially the ones in Japan, they were the first ones to admit that the military industrial complex companies, corporations, had actually funded all of these games. And all they did do, all the, all the children did was to practice killing folk. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. Uh, and all they did was, was they got desensitized, or designed initially f- for the military to desensitize them, troops, desensitize them from 
from the act of killing. So it would be automatic and reflexive as opposed to a calculated thing to do. And it was awfully successful. So they then put it into the general population. And I knew then, I said, this big war's coming up. I could tell they were, they were creating generations to go for to war, a long, long-term war. And uh, that's all they got was video games. Kill, kill, kill. How many ones have you killed? What's your score today? Didn't matter who they were killing or why they were killing. Why didn't matter. But it was reflexive and so on. And you, uh, some of them, in fact, and I did the talks on, on some of the documentaries that have been posted years ago. It's probably still the same today, where you would see the recruitment offices in Britain and the States and other countries, and they'd have games in there, they'd have the machines in there for the, for the youngsters to go in and play there and pass the time. And then in the hope that some of them would just join the military, and the guys, they were slick enough to, to give them the good PR and stuff, and they were pally to them, and to get them right into the military. So it was Xbox to the military, they actually said that. And... That documentaries years later of guys who were in Desert Storm and then in <laughs> Operation Iraqi Freedom, you know, as they invaded Iraq. And, and they talked to some of these people who'd been through it all and they were brought up with experts and they really just went straight into the military, almost in a dream. <laughs> and uh, it worked awfully well with them. Yeah. But some of them definitely get to post-traumatic stress syndrome afterwards when reality st- gradually works this way and you can't ke- keep reality off for long because eventually you, you've got to think back of, the, of people you've killed that you didn't know coupled with the fact that you, you start to say, well, what was up there? Why was it over there killing them in the first place? You see? When the propaganda wears off you. Then they give you lots of drugs now, and, and that's what, how they handle it to make to flatten your emotions. This is, a, but uh, yeah, for, so so this is all designed for a generation that would end up being more violent, and would use violence without thinking of even the whys they were using it. So the police are no exception. And you, you, there's articles today, I'll put some up to once in Australia, you see a cop strangling a woman pretty well with a chokehold because she hadn't got a face mask on. In the story, it actually says that she was exempt from it, from some breathing, because of some breathing problem. And so this brainless fool, you know, with authority of the state behind him, as he thought, uh, is going to choke a person because they're not wearing a mask. He's choking her. I guess it's to help her breathe more, more easily if she's got a breathing problem. You're dealing with morons here who are brought up with these games. And they're, they're reflexive, again, as opposed to, 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 to reasoning. They don't reason things through. They're, they're just reacting Pavlovian style. There's like a game that they're in. And unfortunately, it's the same group that goes into the military. In fact, a lot of them come out of the military and end up doing that. So, everything's got reasons to, 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 to why things are happening like this. So, keep sane and, and make sure you have a, a coterie of friends and, and swear to help each other out. Help each other out. Come with me. Don't fall out with each other because you will need each other as time goes on. They want a really long lockdown here. 
and uh, and a different system to come out of this eventually. And it will not be. And I, Fauci said it. The little man himself, you know, little Foxy Fauci said it himself at the beginning. Things would never be the same again. He just knew all. It's just a coincidence, of course. And they mean it. They mean it. It's not meant to be the same again. It's to be a new world order, according to Kissinger and all the rest of these characters. So stay safe. Help each other out. And don't panic. Don't panic. Keep keep calm. And remember, we've still all got each other yet. Remember, we've still got that ability to at least communicate. So for myself, Alan Walkman, to your Canada is good night. And may your God or your God school with you. 